Good everybody. Welcome to Not The Footy Show, episode 165. It's a Sunday night. I'm down the back streets of nowhere. I'm being Warwick Nicholson. And joining me from, well, hopefully the te- technological hub of the world, Mr. Rob Cox. Yes, the techn- technological, easier for me to say, hub of the world in my office in Camden. Yep. Ho- all- hopefully your end uh, doesn't stuff up, because at the moment, ladies and gents, we're... Uh, up against it technologically speaking because there's a chance that this episode might be very very short yep that's true if you get caught out the front of that pool again it could be very short indeed well give me a second we'll go to a break i'll move the car and we'll uh, come back with episode 165 of not the footy show nobody drives like me nobody i'm doing things in this car you have no idea they're going on Okay, we're back, Cocksmith. It's time to talk footy, as we always do. And evidently, well, I don't know, at least 36 people listen to us. That's how many reviews we've had, people. Keep them coming, please. We need more. Mm-hmm. We need more. We need more. Cocksmith, um, I sent a tweet to you, I think it was, I don't know, Thursday or so, and I just asked, has anything happened with the Tigers at all in the last week or so? Nothing I know of. Mm. Well, we can pass them pretty much from now on, I would say. Skip them. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hang on. <laughs> you, uh, from what I understood, you, you camped out at ANZ Stadium across the weekend, so you would have been there today. Yeah, look, I'm a little bit smelly because I just got home. I did sleep in the back of my car for the last three days uh, in the bowels of uh, of the ANZ Stadium car park because that's where I've been all weekend. Um, yeah, mate, I, I shot the game today, and uh, what a win for the mighty, mighty Tigers. Yeah, those Tigers who I think Ivan Cleary used the term... They're now the big 17. Do you make any sense of that? Yeah, no, look, I, I definitely think they're the big 17, although uh, there's probably about 12 of them that are leaving. But, hey, uh, big get, get behind them, I say. Hashtag big 17. Big 17. Well, we'll obviously uh, go through what is the news of the last week or so, and that is that James Tedesco, Aaron Woods have both, well, they haven't officially signed. Oh, they haven't done anything. They haven't done anything, apparently. With, with anybody. Nobody. But uh, as far as we're aware, Tedesco is off to the Roosters and Woods is going to the Bulldogs. And that follows on from last week when Mitchell Moses is taking his talents to Parramatta. Mm-hmm. Three of the big four leave. Yep. Um, that's just gigantic in anyone's business. I know we've been sort of uh, foreshadowing this for a couple of weeks now in mm. uh, these shows. But this, this news... You could argue the writing's been on the wall there for a while, but I still can't get my head around it. And my brother is a massive Tigers fan. I haven't heard from him in four days. <laughs> Are you uh, sure I he's even, okay? Uh, I don't know. I did send him a big a picture of the big fish I caught uh, the other day, which was did he message impressive. Did he message back? He did, but he oh, didn't okay. discuss at all about Woods or Tedesco. So I think it's it's a bit of a hole in the heart for the mm. old Tigers fan and. Mm. What strikes me about these moves, Cocksmith, is that can we can we sounds like a, a harsh thing to say, but can we pin this back and we're going back a fair way to when the Tigers decided that Benji Marshall had uh, passed his use by date? 
Mate, I reckon you probably can. I know that might sound to some out there that, that it's you know drawing a long bow, but this is the thing. I think that I think that players sit around and, and especially new younger players, they sit back and and they take notice of the environment around them and they notice things going on, obviously. And and you know when Benji Benji was kind of um, shown the door, um, although you know he did say he was off to rugby union, but you know we know what went on. They didn't um, want to pay him anymore. That's the well, the short of that. That was it. And and mate, I think the the icing on the cake was the Robbie Farrah dealing dealing with Robbie. And, and I could you could probably say that the core of the playing group were just peed off at, at the yep. Tigers with the treatment, and they probably thought in the back of their minds, well, that'll probably be us one day. Um, and rightly or wrongly, um, the current uh, the current uh, management after at the Tigers have to deal with that. Um, it's it's a sad thing, but you know it's it's one of those it's one of those cases of um, uh, they just got sick of the management. I think I think bringing Ivan Cleary in has been pretty good, but it, it wasn't enough. It was too little, too late um, to save the the current uh, or most of the current um, big name players. And and if you've noticed, they're actually all allegedly going to different clubs. So um, <laughs> you know that's probably because not one club can can pay overs like they probably wanted, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a sad day for the Tigers, but it's also a little bit exciting, mate. I mean, you know, they've got $4 million allegedly um, now as a bit of a war chest to spend on some other players. And, you know, there's there's not too many one-club players these days and, and loyalty's out the window. As the Tigers showed their playing group by what, what they did to Benji and to um, Robbie, they, they showed no real loyalty there. Uh, so the players, the current players, um, have... Uh, flipped the big middle finger at the management and said, well, we can do that too. Exactly right. And I think to unpack this a little bit more, this is our own spin on it here at Not The Footy Show. We're not saying that we're right. This is just how we view it, um, just based on our experiences and, and just the, the information that's at hand. And a couple of things out of today's game that you were there, uh, I didn't watch the whole match, so I missed some of the more fun bits at the start. Mm-hmm. Aaron Wood's getting booed. Did it happen? It did. It happened when... Um, he was on the field and they started the, the, you know, and they were warming up on the field, which as we know, doesn't <laughs> sit well with me, but they're warming up on the field. And then the, 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 they started to announce the team on the, the big, on the big screen, which, you know, is a double whammy. But anyway, uh, and when they got around to the number eight, um, there was quite a lot of people in the crowd let out a boo and Woodsy laughed. I mean, he probably laughed a little ironic laugh to himself, um, Woodsy's given a given a lot over the years to the club. The club have given to him too. Don't don't get me wrong, but um, he probably thought, "How ironic is this? They're booing me now." Um, but I, I guess he would have expected it as well, given what has been leaked out this week. Yeah, exactly. And I guess the other part of it is, did he get booed at any other stage during the game? Is more my my question. Mm, uh, look, I, I don't think so, mate. Um, I possibly right at the end. Maybe when they were walking off the field, but I, I don't think so. I, I think the Tigers, the Tigers fans were probably happy to get a win. Um, they certainly weren't booing Mitchell Moses um, when uh, he celebrated with Kevin Nagama um, <laughs> in the sixty whatever minute um, Nagama's well, try. The seventy eighth, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, well, they, this they, is my next question: mm. is, is his reaction on full time? Yeah, I was watching. <laughs> on my boat in the middle of the river oh, as as they scored that try. And I Tycoon. saw him, him give a bit of a reaction. Who was he reacting to, mate? 
I think he was probably reacting probably to the Tigers fans as 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 yeah. what he would probably consider them as as naysayers. I mean, you got to understand that Mitchell Moses has never really had an easy ride from from the fans. Um, yep. He may have had one would argue an easy ride with the Tigers management, given they or or or, or sorry, um, football management, um, given that they they stuck by him pretty early on when when he probably wasn't ready for a, a, a full-time NRL position. They stuck by him and they, they gave him that experience and, and he served to serve them as well. Um, but the fans have never really, really warmed themselves to Mitchell Moses for one reason or another. I don't know what it would be. Um, but yeah, you know, sporadically they've, they've warmed to him, but I don't think they've really, you know, took, taken ownership of him, if you know what I mean. Mm. Yeah, I just thought the way that he sort of reacted, and part of me was hoping that it was to the Bulldogs fans, but it's just just what what no. what strikes me about that is exactly why he's leaving, because it's 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 a big sort of stuff you, <laughs> and yeah. he's just won a game with the club that he is choosing to leave, and those players have by just their decision to move on invited this i'm not saying what that what these fans are doing is necessarily what i would do or what sort of you would do or what your kid would do or you know i'm not saying that it's par for the course but it is definitely something that is an option for these fans to show their 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 emotions their passion and that's the the bit that struck me and you've taken an absolutely cracking photo of of mitchell in the in the uh wake of of this try Hmm. just completely and utterly it's it's not about the Tigers. It's about him. And and I, part of me then goes, well, Tigers maybe you're better off without him. It, it's mm. it, it's just, a, and he's going to try and keep this up for what? How many weeks we got left in the season? Another eighteen weeks or something? Yeah. Look, let's get one thing straight first. My son would boo him. Um, <laughs> my son would boo Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny. <laughs> um, he's a rat bag. But uh, uh, <laughs> but um, no, look. I, I can understand it. The thing is, is that Mitchell Moses is a competitor, right? Rugby league players, by by their sheer nature, are competitors. And I don't think it matters to a rugby league player too much what jersey he's wearing when he's playing. Um, it might worry him what, he, what what jersey he's going to be wearing next week or the year after or whatever. But I think in the moment, I think you know you could you could put any jersey on on him or on a player and they'd get up. They just want to compete. They just want to play. And I think the emotion that, that Mitchell showed today just showed how much he wanted to win um, the, the game today. And and good on him, mate. He, he had a pretty good game today, I think. A um, couple of little mistakes, which which is, you know, again, he's still a kid. You know, he's not, he's not a, I mean, he's only played 60-odd or 50-odd first-grade yep. games, and, and, and I'd reckon half of those were probably premature. Um, but, mate, he, he played pretty well today. Woodsy had a great game today, um, worked. He played the full first half, I believe, and then he might have taken yep. 10 minutes off in the second half. Um, Tedesco's always dangerous. Brooks was pretty solid after a little shaky start. What was the reaction to Tedesco like? Uh, there, well... It wasn't like it was to to Woodsy, but then again, yep. Woodsy's a club captain, and and I think that some people would probably, rightly or wrongly, and I'd say wrongly, believe that he's had a sway over the other guys, got got them to make a decision, and he hasn't. Yep. Mate. He, mate, he's not he's not doing that. He's no, you know, Woodsy's got two zero four zero tattooed on him. 
um, <laughs> you know, the, the, the Leichhardt um, yep. postcode. So there's not there's not too many more people that would probably love the idea of playing at at Balmain or the Tigers or West Tigers forever. But he 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 was clearly just disillusioned by the previous management or some of the current board or mm. or whoever it may be. I have no idea of their names. Um, and and I think mate, like you alluded to in the first minute of the show or the first two minutes of the show, it, it's probably got something to do with Benji and probably even more so to do with Farah. Um, and I think we, uh, we we sort of dovetail into a couple of quotes that I've sort of uh, fished out. These were in the Herald. Uh, one is from Marina Go in regards to the booing, and this is what she said. They shouldn't be booing our players, that is, the fans. If these guys choose to leave, our fans shouldn't be disrespecting them like that. I don't think they should have booed them. That's one quote. And then Aaron Woods thereafter in relation to the booing. It's sort of footy. The thing is, I haven't signed or agreed to anything. It's all speculation at the moment. They were all... All right during the game, that is the fans. We had the best fans. They are just passionate. Just keep coming. We will keep turning up all year. We will keep ripping in. We haven't made a decision on our future yet. The media made it for me without us confirming it. I don't think that's uh, given any fans a double take on what he's doing. He's clearly not returning to the Tigers. Mate, uh, look, I if, thought it was... if he does, if he returns to the Tigers, I'll make a $100 donation to whatever charity you want me to. He, he, and I don't want a return on that, by the way. He, yep. he, he is going. He is leaving. He is gone. He's smothering at the moment, a hundred percent. Don't if any if any fan if any Tigers fans are listening, um, don't believe that for a second. Don't get your hopes up. He's gone. He's gone. He's okay, gone. we're going to quickly uh, go to a uh, oh, viewer can question. I, can or I just question? sorry, yeah, Warwick? Can I just say something? And Marina, uh, Marina goes saying that the fans shouldn't do it. The fans can do what they want, right? Yep. The fans are the ones that turn up every week, some more, some clubs more so than others. They shouldn't be told by a CEO what they can and can't do. Um, Marina has to stop mothering the players, I think, um, and, and think more about the position she's got, not so much about, you know, protecting the players. You know, I know she cares about the players a lot. That's a given. Yep. Um, but they're all big boys. They're all big boys, and if and if and if, if someone wants to boo them, so be it. That's that's part of the theatre of rugby league. You know, someone's annoyed me. I'm going to boo you. I mean, they're, they're disappointed that Woodsy's maybe and probably is, and like I mentioned, a hundred dollar charity donation. If he's not leaving, you know, he he he's leaving. They, they don't like it. They want Woodsy to stay. They want Tedesco to stay, and and they probably want Moses to stay as well because he's a good player. But you can't always get what you want, so what do you do? Rather than throw empty beer glasses at them or bottles at them, you boo. And exactly I don't, right. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Let them boo. I love it. <laughs> boo away. Okay. After the break on the footy show, we'll sort of explore, I guess, what the uh, Tigers can now do with their newfound cap space order. Not the footy show. Space order. Hello and welcome to Movie Phone. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see. Press. Not the show. All right, we're back on Not the Footy Show, episode 165. Cocksmith alongside Warwick Nicholson. And, uh, Coxie, we have uh, already sort of uh, dug into a lot of the Woods and Moses issues. Mm. It's time to talk a bit of Jimmy Tedesco and I guess the impact that then has on the Tigers' salary cap for 2018 on, and onwards. Yeah. G wants to know, uh, does anyone really believe that Tedesco is dropping about $700,000 off his salary, caps, uh, salary cap hit to join the Chooks, do you believe that? Yeah, I do. I do, and and it's because I, I know I I know his background, and and 
I don't think Tedesco is driven by money because I know that his family are very, very well off. Um, and I don't, I really don't think the money is all that big a concern to him at this stage of his life. I know he's, he's, um, his family have done really well in property um, acquisition as well as development. Um, he has no worries about money. If, if, yep. if Teddy next week decided never to strap a football boot on again and possibly never work, a day in his life, he'd probably get away with it. He doesn't need to worry about money. Uh, and I know that for sure and certain. Um, so for him to drop $700,000 a year on the surface to, to us working class people might seem ludicrous and, and insane, but, uh, and, and they might be thinking about brown paper bags at the roosters, which has always been the rumor. Um, and whether that's true or not, um, who knows? Uh, but, uh, I don't think that Tedesco was driven by money in this. He was probably driven a little bit by wanting to play with the best um, possible team that he could um, yep. and the and the opportunity to maybe move to uh, a different part of Sydney. I don't know where he lives at the moment. I know he's from Menangle out this way uh, where his family has a ton of property. Um, <laughs> and, and, it, and, and obviously that property by the way, is growing in value every day because of the, the urban sprawl and whatnot. Yep. Um, but uh, <laughs> I think, you know, maybe the Bondi lifestyle, style, the um, the lattes, the cafe lattes, the playing for Uncle Nick over at um, over at the Roosters and, and a, a change of scenery and, again, flipping the bird to um, the, the Tigers. That's All of those things combined has, has um, got Tedesco probably where you'll find he's going to be um, it'll be confirmed next week. Yeah, he'll be a chook. Uh, the part about the, uh, the the amount that he ends up going on the cap for, mm. it does open up the question in regards to, again, third-party agreements. And uh, there's been some robust discussions that I've been a part of in the last week or so. And I think this this is the, the counter-argument to what I think should happen, which is that we should see what players are on under the salary cap as a public uh, uh, point of, uh, I don't know, what's the word, um, transparency. Yeah. The issue you're going to have, even if that happens, is then what is being paid from the uh, third-party agreements. And this is, I guess, my reaction to UG is that, mate, it doesn't matter what it says on the salary cap. Uh, the fact is there are going to be a lot of reasons, uh, whether they're above or untoward or whatever you want to say, that a player decides to go somewhere. As, as Rob's just... Um, discussed there are a bunch of reasons why jimmy didn't need the money to go there at the same time he wants to go play with mitchell pierce he wants to go play with boyd cordner uh you know there's there's a lot of reasons for him to go to bondi um parking wouldn't be one of them but um i must admit that the fact is this is part of why i think fans go out there and boo is they can't get their heads around why one team offering one point something million can't get a player who gets walks away with maybe eight or nine hundred thousand. And I'm not saying that this is a thing that we can fix anybody, but this is the reality of where rugby league is going. We are we we I've, I've used this example heaps of times on the show. What Darren Lockyer was allegedly paid at the Broncos in the last sort of six years of his career was like chicken feed under the salary cap. So you've got to get it through your heads that players are going to play for the club they want to be at up until a point where either they get uh, money is a factor or, as Rob, you say, they get disillusioned with management, 
there's a bunch of reasons that go out there purely more than money. But the undercurrent of every decision that is made is going to be money. Money. But as you say, Rob, there's a chance that uh, Tedesco has more money elsewhere that makes this not as important thing to do. It's just a, it's a really interesting how you were able to just sort of unpack the reasons of why Tedesco may have gone to the Chooks ahead of taking a bigger offer to stay with the Tigers. Mm. Uh, we're going to go into, sorry, quickly, I'll, I'll just set up where we're going. We're going to speak about what Justin Pascoe then says afterwards, but you go first, mate. Mate, what I was going to just say is, is it's re- it is really hard for fans to, to grasp that because most fans, I would say, a lot of fans, um, and and most players, I would, I don't, I can't put a percentage on it, but I'd have to say ninety percent, ninety five percent of players come from a working class background where money does matter. Um, yep. If someone waves a big wad of cash at you, you'll probably dance, you know. Um, but every now and then, a couple of these players who aren't driven by money. Um, come along um, and who knows what it's like to be rich I don't know I have no idea I, I'm I'm driven by money I, I do my work for money if someone said to me tomorrow um, guess what Coxie uh, we're not going to pay you anymore to do your job I'd say well great I'm going to find another job whereas mm-hmm. whereas and I do enjoy my job by the way but what I'm saying is 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 he is not driven by money because he doesn't need to be he's in a fortunate situation where his family are loaded and, and I mean that in, with most respect, by the way, but his family are very, very well off um, and it, it, it's, it's not a bother to him. It, it isn't a bother to him to drop, to drop that kind of coin. Um, and who knows, he may drop that coin for the first year and something gets back-ended if he's, is he's successful. He's a very talented player. Just don't, yep. don't be fooled into thinking that everyone else is thinking just like yourself, it, meaning, you know, I'd do that. I'd, I'd leave there for $700,000. Well... Everyone's slightly different, and and Tedesco is different again because he he has come from a a very uh, a very good, strong, wealthy background, and he's not worried about money. He's he's worrying about his future as a trying trying to see how much he can achieve as a player, um, as well as at the middle time as at the middle time at the same time sticking the middle finger up to the Tigers. That Tigers would have the Tigers would have almost moved heaven heaven and earth to have um, Tedesco, um, but you know at, at the end of the day. It's he's right to say yes or no. Yep, and I think we moved to Justin Pascoe's comments. Mm-hmm. Uh, these were again in the Herald. I think it was just in the press conference, but they've been relayed to the Herald. Mm. And I'm just going to read them out uh, word for word here, and this is his reaction to the decision for his players to move on and what that opportunity then presents itself uh, to the Tigers. I'm really comfortable that we afforded the uh, key players every opportunity to stay here. Whether we like it or not, it is a business today, and the players have been going through the process of making a decision that is in the best interest of themselves and their families. However, the club is in a really exciting position. We've had years and years of salary cap challenges here at the Tigers. We believe we've built some really robust processes to make sure that doesn't happen again in the future, and in 2018, there's a lot of freedom around our salary cap. For the first time in the club's 17-year history, we enter a market that has nearly 200 players on the market with a freed-up salary cap and a significant amount of power to help build this club's roster into a strong football team. What's your reaction to those uh, viewpoints from Pascoe? Oh, look, he's probably right. Um, you know, he, well, he is right um, with what he's saying. Um, my, my issue is, I heard a little thing today, and it's not about the Tigers. I'll quickly just digress for a second. It's about James Graham. Um, and apparently his deal at, at um, the Bulldogs is, is heavily back-ended. Now, I, I, get, I get really annoyed 
with clubs that do this to players, um, back end their deal. And at the moment, I think you'll find that the Bulldogs, whether they'll admit it or not, are thinking of and trying to get rid of James Graham. Um, now, James is, is well within his rights to sit down and, and say, no, um, you, you need to pay me my, my back-ended deal for, for, you know, 2018. What I'm trying to say is is that the Tigers, the Tigers are talking about they've had salary cap issues, you know, um, and, and next year they won't. But the only reason that they've had salary cap issues, and, and it stems back to two, 2005 when they won the Premiership, was because they had to, like any club that wins a premiership, you then got to start paying the players that you won the premiership with more money, mm-hmm. um, and and they back ended, they back ended the bejesus out of out of Robbie Farrow and Benji Marshall's deals, and then got all annoyed about it, um, so they created their own their own problem, um, yeah. you know, and it's and I know it's not the management that are there now, it's not Pasco and uh, and Go. Um, but it's uh, it was the previous management, and you've got to live with what they've created. So that that is that that point there is is self inflicted, um, you know. And but the exciting thing for Tigers supporters is that he's quite right. There are a lot of players off contract um, because the man- their managers have done the right thing by them and made them come off contract at a time where there's going to be allegedly and hopefully a lot more money for the players to share around. So it's it's no coincidence that they're all coming off contract this year. And, that, and that's why the, the, the you know the so-called big four from the Tigers came off contract because their manager did the right thing um, for his for his clients um, to get them off at a time where there was going to be some money being thrown around and and look, you know, for the most part, apart from maybe Tedesco, which we've already touched on, um, you know, uh, the other guys are, are doing well. Now, I've collated a list from uh, ZeroTackle.com uh, because I can't find anything even remotely like this yep. on the NRL site. I don't understand why the NRL is not across this kind of thing because this is what fans want to know about yep. uh, in terms of players being off contract. But I will also preface with, with there's no guarantee that this is 100% accurate. This is just a list that I've compiled. Coxie, you've got it in front of you as well. I do. If you were just to pick three players off that list that you think the Tigers could pick up and help themselves uh, very much, not only just for next year, but for the future, what kind of players would you be going from that list? Well, what we've got to do is we've got to look at what they need. All right, What what do the Tigers need? Well, they've just lost a world-class fullback. So I know that there's a couple of... They're, they're in their 20s side, they've got a good young fella. I can't remember his name. He's got a... Z. Happenhausen. Yeah, that's right. He's got a Z in his surname. I remember that. Yeah. Um, a couple of wise Scrabble hero. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a good player, but he's no James Tedesco yet. Um, so you, you can't fall back on him. I don't know what they've got in their New South Wales Cup. So if you need a fullback. Um, you will need a front rower, uh, and you'll probably need a half as well. Uh, and that's given, you know, obviously that's who they're losing. That's who they need to replace. I don't think there's anyone internally that can replace those players as of tomorrow. So yep. you've got to start to look at that. And if you do that, then you've got to look at guys like Russell Packer, uh, who I'm not a fan of for reasons well discussed privately with you. Yep. Um, you there is, um, uh, so there's Russell Packer, who's a front rower. There's obviously the um, Ben Madalino, uh, Brenton Lawrence. Um, uh, who else we've got? Tony Williams, who's a back rower, not really a front rower. Uh, but at the moment, apparently Tony Williams is on minimum money at the Sharks. Yeah. Can't get a game, and he's on eighty grand a year. Yep. Uh, so he'd be a good pickup. Um, 
then you've got to look at outside backs as well. You probably get they do need a center and they've been they've been screaming for a center for a while. They've got a pretty good one in Moses Suli who's going to come along. Um, on the other side, they're playing with two back rowers in the centers. Um, so you probably if you can afford it, you know, you'd be looking at someone like a um possibly a Michael Gordon who's who's going to be leaving the Roosters quite soon, I suggest. Uh, you'd be looking at um Looking at this list, mate. Sorry, Tim Laffey, yep. who's good. Yep. Um, you've got. I think Dane Gagai is off contract as well. Dane Gagai, he's being chased by nearly Hopper everyone. Wade's out there as well. Jordan Carr. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm sorry. I got. I can't have Hopper. Um, <laughs> for reasons discussed before, because if you get yep. too many Sunday games, he's not going to play. So no. Um, well, Sean Kenny Dow's out there. Sean Kenny Dow drops the ball Blake too Ferguson's much. Out there. Blake. Blake could be a good one. Um, definitely. Adam Blair. He's been at the Tigers before. He'd go back, maybe, for the right money. Um, <laughs> so. You know what I mean? So, so there are a lot of players here. Jacob Lilliman. I don't know about Jacob. Um, Cooper Cronk. There's your halfback, if you can get him, unless you know everyone's saying he's going to retire. Um, uh, so, look, there's not too many halves. Looking at your, your list, mate, there's not too there's many... A, there's a name there that I think we need to, to bring up, and I, I think on. it's because by the end of the year, he might have entrenched himself back on the Gold Coast. But Tyrone Roberts would be an outstanding purchase for the Tigers. I'm a huge fan of what he brings to a football Yeah, year. look, he, he definitely is a he's a great player. He's had a, a little bit of injury uh, in recent times. But, mate, he's definitely, he could, he could probably fill a spot there. Um, although, I get the feeling he plays a little bit like Brooks does. Um, and I don't know if they need two of them. Um mm. Yeah, look, uh, Tyrone Roberts is um, is a is a is a name definitely. There's what what's happened with um, the Hain plane? Has he dreamt about coming to Lyco? <laughs> well, didn't he say that uh, Campbelltown was his house? If I recall, well, this like is his it. house because he grew up in he grew up in Minto, I believe, in Minnow. Yep. Grew up in Minnow. Uh, he grew up well, in Minto. I think, think Hain's for another discussion for another. Yeah. What about uh, James? Uh, what about James Roberts? James the Jet. Well, he still apparently hasn't been uh, re-upped yet. The point we're trying to make, everybody, is mm. that. There is a lot of players who can fill this brief. Quality players. If I was going to pick a list out for anybody, here's five players I think the Tigers would be stupid not to go after. Tui Lola here from the Warriors wants out. Mm -hmm. Stephen Carney doesn't believe in him. Uh, Andrew McFadden doesn't believe in him. Mm -hmm. You'd probably get him him at a good price too, wouldn't you? Yeah, and he's the the Warriors would get rid of him in a heartbeat if someone would pay the rest of his contract. He's contracted until the end of next year. Yep. He's number one. Jump on him. Why Why you wouldn't, you can either play him at fullback or you can play him at 5'8". Yeah. But the fact is, he's a perfect kind of player that is going to go, he's going to want to prove everything to every, everybody. Mm-hmm. So pick him up. Ben Matalino, if you're going to lose Aaron Woods, I am a huge rap on Ben Matalino. If you can get him, good luck to you. Then I guess there's a few more questions. I think if we were going to talk about a player who's off contract, and I, I don't know, I couldn't believe I saw his name on here. And look, people, I could be wrong. He may have re-signed. Alex Johnston is on this list. Yep. Now, he is a talented, talented footballer. He's not going to play fullback next year because Greg Ingles is going to be playing fullback for the Bunnies next year. Go after him. Why, would, why wouldn't why would you go after him? I, mean, I don't think they're going to waste their money on Josh Dugan. I can't see that happening. Uh, I think given what they've gone through with this current group, I don't think they want to go through that again. Mm. The other names I'm going to put out there is a couple more. As I said, Tyrone Roberts, I think, would be fantastic for him. And then there are three other players that I think would help this club. One is Ignatius Parsi from the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think he's the, just the kind of sort of hard nut front back rower who could just run in, and I think that's something that the Tigers really need. They need someone who can just not be afraid of getting hurt. 
The other one is Gideon Mosby Geller, the uh, winger for the uh, Cowboys. Now he's had a bit of an up and down debut in the NRL, but I mean you can't coach speed. So I think that'd be a great pickup for them. And the last person I'm going to put on this list, and I know there's some people listening to this podcast that don't rate him, but Aiden Guerra is the kind of football that I think they could really use. Mm. An experienced player who's not even past it yet. I think he's 28. Yeah, he's, he's a few more years it. left in him. Mm. And I just think he is the one thing that the Tigers have needed for a long time is back rowers. I just think he adds a lot of, a lot, he adds that sort of winning mentality. I mean, he went through obviously a tough year last year, but there's just some players that I put when I look at that list and I go, look, Tigers fans, it's not all doom and gloom. Mm. You will pick up some players. The only oh. downside out of all of this is that you will have to play overs for them because I can tell you right now, the, the guy who got out of this whole big four discussion and uh, defections and all that kind of stuff, uh, debacle over the last month or two, who ended up probably getting another two or 300000 to his deal added in the last 24 hours before this news broke, was David Nofaluma. He would have got paid delightfully for staying loyal to the club. So good luck to him. But I'm just, mm. I just think there is, there is money to be spent. There is players who will get contracts that probably maybe don't fit what we think they're worth. But the Tigers have an opportunity here to really refresh that roster, which at the end of the day could be the best thing for them. Mate, absolutely. Look, just looking at this, I mean, as you were talking, I'm just looking at this list again. Um, you, for, for, what they, for what they were going to pay Aaron Woods, and I know what you're saying, they're probably going to have to pay a little bit of overs for people, but they'd probably get Russell Packer and Brenton Lawrence for what they were going to pay Woodsy. Um, you know, they've got, they're going to have a, a bit of money and if they spend it wisely, there is no doubt in my mind that, that, that yeah, they'll, they'll miss the players that they've lost, um, but it'll be short, very short-lived. They'll, they'll buy players. Um, Ivan Cleary isn't an idiot. He's, he'll, he'll buy good players. You know, he's, he's, got, um, he's got contacts that reach far and wide, mate, um, all the way over to the Super League. Um, at New Zealand, obviously, he has big contacts and, and ties in New Zealand. He will uh, explore every avenue he can, and he'll come up with a pretty darn good roster for 2018, I'd say. Let's hope so for the Tigers. Uh, in the, the break next, I'm going to try something new on the podcast. I'm going to read an article that Roy Masters put in the uh, Sun-Herald today. It's about the uh, Western Suburbs Magpies of 1979, the off-season that they had. Uh, hopefully you don't get too bored as I read it out, but uh, enjoy. West Tigers should have learnt from history the folly of having their best four players come off contract at the same time. Nor should the drama of unresolved contract issues affecting team performance be new to the club, albeit a joint venture one. The problem is that too many people on club boards and at NRL headquarters itself believe that modern rugby league began in 1998, post the Super League War. They ignore the lessons of the past, in 1979, West's semi-final campaign was derailed by whispers of three of their best players, John Dorohy, Les Boyd and Ray Brown, would sign with rival clubs. As coach, I recall running laps at Lidcombe Oval before training with the players, only to notice the big three fall back behind the group and presumably discuss their futures. I recall Senator Wayne Smith suggesting we have a private fundraiser to retain the players, but it all seemed too difficult for a cash-trapped club to compete financially in competition without a salary cap. The publicity not only affected the three players, but also destabilised the rest of the playing group. As it transpired, we lost a couple of games by field goals, made the semis, but went out the back door to ultimate grand finals, Canterbury. All three players signed with our most bitter rival, Manly. 
The Silvertails, who had not made the semi-finals in 1979, certainly wreaked revenge on the Fibros. The game plan was to clearly use West 3 to add to their playing list and subtract from ours, ensuring that they made the 1980 semi-finals, while we would not. The signings were not officially announced until well after we exited the finals. Tom Rodonicus, captain of West, and I used the playoff period to try and prevent the moves. We flew to Brown's hometown of Griffith to convince him to stay, but returned home uncertain of his plans. I had dinner with Boyd at his Strathfield home. We went on a long walk with his, while his wife, Judy, cooked dinner. He revealed that Manly wanted him, and we tried to quantify the loyalty factor on money terms. Finally, we reached an agreement. Manly would have to offer offer $40,000 for him to leave. He called me the next day to tell me Manly's offer was $39,000. But before I could let out a whoopee, Boyd went on to say, I told Arco, Manly's then chief, Ken Arthurson, I wanted $40,000, and he agreed. Of course he would. $1,000 made little difference to the Silvertail's fault. Joe called John Dorothy, submission to me that he was going to Manly took a little longer. At a West reunion a couple of years ago, he asked me if we could have a beer in Melbourne, where I now live, and he occasionally visits for work. We sat in the iconic Young and Jackson pub, talking about a range of things, including politics, where we have some what opposite views. I knew there was something Joe wanted to tell me, but it seemed sucking his throat. Finally, as we sipped on our last beer, Joe said, I lied to you back in 1979 when you asked me if I had signed with Manly. It stuck in my core for 36 years, and I just had to tell you, I loathed lying and I felt uncomfortable ever since. Dory, he also made another admission two weeks ago at a rest reunion. He revealed that if he had known Tommy and Graham Snake O'Grady would have also left the club, he would have stayed. Yes, that's right. West lost five players at the end of the 1979 season, including inspirational captain Rodonicus and clever Lock O'Grady, both signed to John Singleton's money at Newtown. As it turned out, O'Grady rejoined me at St George, but Joe's affection for the club was so deep he told me that he would never have left if he had known, if he had known that after he had signed with Manly, the Magpies would lose another two players. The lesson? A club cannot let its best five players come off contract at once, and it will affect team performance as much at the beginning of a season as at the end. Oh, and if the players leave, others replace them. West made the 1980 preliminary final with the previously unheard of Terry Lamb, Jim Lease, Alan Neal and John Rebo, while Manly finished seventh out of the semis. Roadmasters writes the Herald. Not the footy show. show. All right, we're back from story time with Woz. Uh, did you fall asleep there, Coxsmith? Oxmith. Oxmith. Oh, so uh, I'm awake. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was that was almost rehearsed. Uh, <laughs> hold on, mate. Uh, speaking of things to wake you up, uh, those Gold Coast Titans—they got some players back, and uh, gee, they gave the uh, they gave the premiers a bit of a touch-up. I know they only won the game right at the end, but they looked good all match. Did you see this game? I saw the the highlights, mate. Um, I didn't see the match itself, but yeah, they were impressive. Uh, you know, getting getting uh, the Hain plane back landed in the Shire, um, and Proctor was obviously a big one. Um, yeah, they look good. They look really good. I was really impressed by the fact that they started well, which they you know generally teams that are one and six as they enter the game against the team defending champions. It's not a at their defending champions game, uh, home ground. Hain took a while to get in the match. Proctor clearly wasn't 100%. Hurrell, the same. He, he made an impact. Tyron Roberts going back in the halves. Neil Henry made a decision to drop Kane Elgie, which I thought was the right decision. Got Roberts into the uh, hand of the ball even more than he had been in the last six weeks. What I really thought was impressive about this performance is that 
And I know they scored right at the end to go ahead. And, you know, you can argue this with me that the cows come home. They looked likely the whole match. And the Sharks didn't. Yeah. And that just, I think, proved in one, in one foul swoop that, yeah, you can start the season poorly in terms of your win-loss record. But you, can, you can have a dig your whole, the whole season for that to date. They're now two and six. Yep. They got Knights this week at no Gold Coast. They they'll, should win they'll that. They'll win that. They'll be three and six. Now, I haven't looked at the rest of their draw, but we have spoken about this ad nauseum on the show before, Coxie, you joined, and um, way back to 2010 when we started. One good month of footy gets you back in the game. By the end of May, the Titans could be five and six or six and six. Mm-hmm. And, and with a team that's got Hayne, Proctor, Hurrell, Taylor, uh, Pulu, who was a beast off the bench on the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan James, who's playing outstanding footy. Uh, once again, he's just a, he's a minute machine for those guys. Jared Wallace has been a sensational buy for them up front. Nathan Peets is healthy. Uh, Sargentson, look, he dropped a try over the line uh, on the weekend, but uh, he's not a bad footy player. Anthony Don can make things happen. The point is, this team, while their depth has been absolutely smashed in the first six or seven weeks, have the tools and clearly have the players to beat the better sides in the competition. So Mm. if you counted out the Titans as somebody that I know did um, after about round two, Mm -hmm. um, beware, the Titans, they're going to make some noise in this competition. The Titans won't make the eight. Tell me, how did did Nathan, yeah, what's his name, Nathan? I keep going to call him Geordie. Show my age. (laughs) How how did Nathan Peets go the other night? He was good. He, he, he wasn't as big a factor as I think he probably wanted to be. Uh, it was a big stage for him. Um, but they, as, a, as a unit, they played well. Look, look they, had a, they had a dig, and I think, I think that's the biggest thing that you can say about Nathan Peets is that he'll always compete. Have you got, um, him, in, have you got him in a blue jersey yet? In, um... just, you're, you're, I just said that Nathan Peets always competes. Oh, um, I saw what you did there. It's horrible. Uh, I haven't got him in a blue jersey, no, Tricky. mate. Uh, because I don't know if you saw when you were at the uh, game on Friday night, but... Uh, Roberto Ferragio had quite an impact for twenty minutes. Hey, got him back in the game. They should have won. Oh, they did. He got it. He did get him back in the game. Although I, I, I just saw a quick highlight. Um, I, I was obviously at the game and I saw what happened. Um, uh, we go. Are we going straight into that now. We're going to talk I about go that. Go straight into that. Okay. Doom, doom. What a what a segue. I've even got to ask right. about it. Um, <laughs> Mate, he did. He definitely got him back in the game. There's no doubt that they started to move forward. Um, um, rolling forward a lot, a lot better with him in the second half. Um, my only, my only weird thing, and I've talked about this before about players making uh, strange or crappy decisions under pressure, was right at the end there. They had the opportunity and a pretty easy opportunity to level it up um, as they rolled forward in that last minute. And Robbie sent the ball left, um, and there was a debutant rookie on the left. There was also someone else that might have been a Burgess brother that shouldn't have been in that kind of a position, and he sent the ball left. I I got to wonder. I mean, they were twenty meters out. Why weren't they setting up for an equalising field goal to go into extra time? I mean, you got to ask. Uh, I think it was Cody Walker, wasn't it, that made the decision to kick? It might have been Cody Walker. And I, look, I, Robbie's gotten into trouble before from second guessing people, um, but. Robbie's never had a had a problem under pressure thinking before. This was more like a a um, an act that you know should have been overruled. I mean, Cody Walker's played how many games of first grade? Um, you know, well, he's the New South Wales uh, number six, according to some people. He's not. 
<laughs> what kind of drugs are they on? Uh, who said that? Uh, Ray Warren agreed with Nick Walshaw, who agreed with somebody else. And I don't know. Uh, the point is that grabs. I think what we saw from him the other night was exactly what I'd been alluding to you when we talked a couple of weeks ago about New South Wales. Mm. Um, I think he still offers something at that level. Yeah, look, it's whether not... he offers eighty minutes, I don't. I don't he think won't. So. He won't but be able to offer eighty minutes, mate. Point That's... is, when you need someone to run around that ruck, I still think he's the best option New South Wales has. Yeah, look, he, he, I, I'm I'm not a believer at this stage, but I am hearing what you're saying, and and I'm not I'm not arguing with you too much. Um, yeah, look, uh, really strange game, mate. Um, the Rabbits never looked like they were out of it, hence the, the one-point difference at the end. Um, but neither did neither did the Broncos. They, they, no one seemed to give up. They, the, the, the Rabbits made really, really good, impressive yards, especially via Sam and, and Thomas Burgess yep. through the middle. What, did you, what was your take on George Burgess? Uh, enjoy your holiday. Yeah. He's going to get a little... A, I think a, he's going to get a little... Him, he has gone from honestly one of the twenty best impact players in the game, or slash just in the game to mm. get impact, to just being a liability. It's it's yep. scary to see. Yep. Um, I think Thomas isn't as been, hasn't been as good this year as he was two seasons back. I think George hasn't been good for two and a half seasons. Mm. It's it's a real worry if you're the the bunnies because you got a lot of salary cap invested in them, and then you're seeing what um, Sam's given every week. Well, there's no, there's no doubt about Sam, mate. I mean, Sam is, um, is uh, especially the start of this season. Sam is giving, giving his guts. Um, he's not holding back. Um, but the other two, I mean, yeah, I know you can't tar tar just because they're brothers. You can't kind of compare them. A player's a player. They're all individuals. But um, I, yeah, I, I. It's so funny that um, George Burgess is on this wrecking ball tour at the moment. I, I just don't get it. Um, yeah. what he's trying to do you know mind you he'll get busted out for four weeks for a shoulder charge and his brother got off a two week charge yeah I'm not going to talk about consistency today let's not talk about that uh, quickly on this game we have to address two things yep uh, one was uh, the Tata Moga try where the ball was ripped out by the bunnies mm -hmm. he didn't pass the ball I don't think there's any doubt about that the ball got ripped out yep uh, but the ball was dead uh, in goal at that point in time what I really found interesting about this decision, and it's something that people haven't picked up on, and it could be because I'm just finicky on this, but every time you hear a video referee decision that's referred and they say, oh, we've given them it as a try, so they are with thus uh, to prove that it's no try, we have to have conclusive evidence that says the ball did not touch the ground. Yep. He, Bernie Sutton used an um, interesting line in this uh, dissection of the replay. The ball, you couldn't see on the ground. Yep. But in the same token, you couldn't definitively say that it wasn't on the ground because it was obstructed. Mm -hmm. He then used a piece of terminology I've never heard. And I used to sit in the bunker um, when I was at the NRL. Yep. He used that under this camera angle, we can see that the ball has not changed its level. Thus, we have decided that the ball is not on the ground. Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard them refer to the ball not changing its level as to why they couldn't give a try? Yeah, well, look, I, I, I get what he's saying there. I've never heard that terminology, but I get what he's saying. If the ball hasn't gone down any in level, then there's no way it could have touched the ground, correct? Is That's, that's what he's alluding to, yeah? Oh, and that's what he's saying. What, what I find incredulous about this is by the same token, we then turn around in other decisions and say, 
judging by the angles that we've seen, we cannot prove that the ball has not touched the ground. Mm. There's not sufficient evidence. Mm. I don't know about you, but level of the ball does not sound like sufficient evidence to me mm. simply because you don't know where that ball is sitting in regards to how deep it's sitting. Well, I guess, I guess you can, as long as you can see the outline of the ball, you can tell if it's low enough to be touching the ground, wouldn't well, you? Well, to me, that's a very long bow. Yeah. Given that a football, obviously, is it oval in shape, it's not. I, I, I just thought it was incredibly creative in the way that it was used to decide that the ball was not touching the ground. I, don't, mm. I'm not, I am not saying for a second that the ball was touching the ground. That's yep. not what I'm, I'm debating here. Yeah. What I'm saying is that under the way that this rule is adjudicated week in, week out, the level of the ball and the replay is a new one. And <laughs> if they're going to start using that every single week, we're going to see a lot of tries not given because the logic then says, well, then you're saying that the ball hasn't moved, so it's not touching the ground, even though there's not an angle that you see that says that the ball is off the yeah. ground. I don't know. F- fresh, in my, what... fresh in my memory, was it awarded a try or no try? It was awarded a try, as far as I was aware. But, but the, was the, it awarded a try via via Moga or via? He thought no, he thought the Milford had got the ball down. Okay, right. Again, that's that's the that's the strange one. That that to me that was the strange part was that they were looking at the put down for Milford, and then when they couldn't give it for that, they then gave it to Moga. Right. Well, interestingly, the way and you wouldn't have heard it because you were shooting the game. Yeah. Klein then, as as they made the decision that the ball hadn't hit the ground, he was ready to make a decision. He says, I've got a decision. I'm going to the... And as he went to say that, Klein said, yeah, but what about Moga? He picks the ball up and scores. You've got to decide on that. He reminded the video ref that he had to adjudicate on that part of the decision. Yeah. Well, I, I, it, 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 I, I'm okay with whether the ball got ripped out or whatever. I, I just think that the whole thing was messy and it just seemed like we've added a new level of um, I can't even use the word the right word adjudication on something that we have adjudicated in a different way for the last X amount of years the second decision that we have to quickly touch on here mm. before we get off this game is did Anthony Milford knock on yes or no yes yes he did absolutely he did that shouldn't, shouldn't have been awarded mate apparently he didn't what I've really found again he did perplexing in that whole whole situation is the only person that picked that up live was Robbie Farrow if you look at the replay every man and his dog who claims oh you know it was a knock on waited until they saw the replay mm. before they made the ball if you look at the the uh, action as he uh, kicks the goal Robbie Farrow is pleading with the referee to check the knock on yeah well, the, well the, and you know they can't but the, the, the referee was in perfect position to see it he was in perfect position he was standing yep. under the goal post mm-hmm. he had no one obstructing him at all what I will defend here, and I've just, I've said, had a bit of a crack in regards to the video ref. What I'll defend here is I have absolutely no dramas with the decision that was made because they made a decision. I would have been far more frustrated and angry if they had gone upstairs and then adjudicated that he hadn't knocked on. Really? You would? Because as far as I'm concerned, well, our biggest problem with our referees is that they will not make a decision. Now there are decisions that are made in the but middle it, of the field that we're fine with. But we, the we wrong, the wrong well, decision was it? Well, you'd you prefer them to make the wrong decision. Make every decision, Cocksmith. That's the thing. Every decision will not be right. As I said, if he makes the decision there and then, which is what he did, and he said it was fine, and they they play on, I'm, I can live with that. What I can't live with is they send it upstairs, 
and then they decide that he didn't knock on. You're clearly not so a me, Bunnies fan. Is, You're clearly not a Bunnies fan. If it had been the Raiders, that is, that is more of an issue because the the reason that I bring this as a as a, a frustration of mine hmm. is that let's go to the grand final that we all speak about that'll be decided by a um, an obstruction play. Now, if they go upstairs and they get it wrong, that that's just I can't I can't deal with that. But if a referee decides just to award a try or a no try, I can live with that because he's playing, he's he's viewing it through his own eyes, and that's what his job is. Mm. What I don't want to see is decisions that are referred and got wrong. I well, look, this I is can't. I can't live with that either. But but what I can't live with is having the technology sitting there and not using it. Not you, not even, not even trying to use it, or, or not even the the bunker guys. I know that we changed the rules this year, and they said the bunker now can't rule on anything that's in general play that they see. Um, they can't alert the referee to anything like that unless it's foul play, I believe. Um, but mate, it was a dead set knock on right in front of the goalposts. Um, he then went on, he then went on to score a field goal that won the game. Imagine that if, if that was the Raiders in a grand final, mate, you'd be spewing. You'd be spewing, and I, I know what you're it. saying. I know what you're saying as far as you know that that you don't want them to send it, and then for them to get it wrong. And there should be no reason that they get it wrong in the bunker. There's no reason. They shouldn't. There should be no reason that they get it wrong in the bunker. I understand when there's things that they can't see, hence you know what we just spoke about before. Um, but uh, you know th- there should be no reason that they look at something and go, oh that that, that wasn't a knock on when it clearly was. I mean the wrong decision was made. I understand what you're saying. A decision was made. It was the wrong decision. And um, who knows whether the Bunnies would have gone on to win that game or not. We'll never know. Um, but it was still the wrong decision. I, I, you know, I, I get what you're saying. You want them to make one. But I want them to make the right one. Okay. Does this segue into uh, what you'd like to see, uh, which is captain's challenge? Well, I, I, I would definitely like to see a captain's challenge. And I think one captain's call per half Um they should be allowed to have. And if it's a successful captain's call, they get another one. So basically they, they get a captain's call until they're wrong. You know, so... But who, but who makes that decision, Cox Smith? Is that well, just the... the is well, that the trainer talking no, to the uh, no, captain? It, it, or it, can't the be captain? The, it can't be the trainer. It has to be the captain and it has to come from the captain. And if a trainer says something to the captain, uh, it's null and void. No, sorry, no yeah. no contest. I, I completely hear what you're saying. I think it's got great potential but the trainers will absolutely rip this bad boy apart. Well, if and... they do, they if they do, it becomes a non non argument. If 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 a if a coach, sorry, if a uh, referee recognises that a, a captain has had a call from the sideline or something like that, it's sorry, we're not we're not talking about that one now. That's that's dead and buried. Yeah, I just find that's going to be extremely hard to police. That's my that's my one biggest concern. It's not. Like, it's funny. I just flip around again on my whole view of get the right decision, mm. but the trainers are on the field. 85% of the time. Yeah, and they shouldn't be. And there's just no way it's that ridiculous. that is going to be released. It's ridiculous. Uh, to the point where you are knowingly, as a referee, trying to run, trying to decide everything on the run, which, again, underscores my point before. If they're confirmed in their minds that that was the decision, then I can live with it. Mate, you know what? What I don't want I, to see is them having to try and differentiate Alan Langer from... Well, I, uh, look, I, ha- I haven't heard a word you've said in the last 20 seconds because the red mist has just come down over my eyes. <laughs> I hate the trainers being on the field unless it's a break after a try or, or a penalty or something like that and they can get a drink of water. It drives me mental. 
it drives me mental. We had some clown today that the, the, from from the Bulldogs, one of the trainers, standing right on the corner post as the Bulldogs were defending their line, screaming at them, screaming plays at them, screaming apples, apples. I don't know what the hell apple me, apples means, but it obviously means defend your line. And he was just standing there screaming incessantly. It's ridiculous. I think find uh, that's a core message for the Bulldogs, mate. It's a rort, mate. I don't like the trainers on the field. They get in my way, right? They get in our way. They get in the TV's way. The fans hate it. The fans yep. sledge Alan Langer whenever they see him on the field. It's stupid. The coaches will say, oh, the players need a drink. No, no. They don't. Let them, let okay, them wait until a let's break. Let's wrap up uh, round eight. Obviously, there's two more games. Uh, just on getting on a roll Anzac there. Day, Tuesday, Roosters, Dragons, Storm Warriors. Yeah. Uh, quickly, as we jump off uh, episode 165 into the final segment, I just want to ask, uh, you would have only seen this game on a replay or seen some bits of this, what happened. How good was watching Dylan Walker versus the world on Friday night in Canberra? 39 minutes out, they're not back 10. He takes the shot. Walker's going to oh. hit the upright and goes over. It is a fairy tale. That is amazing. It was great. Can we... Can we... Before we go on, can we just talk about um, Parramatta and Penrith after this? Because I've got a little bit of something to say, mate. I did see some some um, some replays, and how good is it when a play- how good is it when a player stuffs up, and you think to yourself, "Oh, the poor bugger," and then the other team are giving it to him, and then he gets a moment of retribution. How good is it? I love well, it. About four. That was the hilarious part about that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, but whatever it is, he he got him over the line in the end, and he. Uh, Mate, he he definitely um, he reminded the Raiders about uh, what they've been saying to him earlier on. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed that as a as a spectacle. Yeah. Look, I think a few players went over the top. Walker went over the top. Joey Lalia, seriously, if people think he's up to Origin standard, they're just on drugs. He'd be a liability at Origin <laughs> level. It's, he'll just do something absolutely stupid. He might. I love him. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I love him. I yeah, think he plays. But hold on. Could he, like, few other players, but... Oh. Hold on a second. Let me remind you of one A for Fita. Um, hello? <laughs> if someone's yeah, going to do something, you know... If you haven't seen it, Cox, when he's lying at that goal, just watch uh, Jerry Lillard. I'll, I'll have to go and look at it, yeah. Oh, it's hilarious. Anyway, <laughs> he kicks the goal. It goes over. Walker runs past all the Canberra players, just giving it to him. It's, it's fantastic. Good on theater. him. Good on um, him. And look, he'd been, he'd been absolutely sledged the time he missed next... So I, I was watching the game on the app, all right? And you yeah. know how much I love the app. Yeah, you love uh, it. Which is about 10 to 20 to 30 seconds behind the TV. Yeah. So I've got a WhatsApp group that we obviously have spoken about many times before, and I've got the notifications coming in. So every time something is going to happen in the game, a flood of notifications come in, then... 20 seconds later on my own phone, I, I see <laughs> what's happening. So I turn, I turn, the, I turn the notifications off because yeah. I'm just like, this, this is getting annoying. Yeah. Anyway, the place that I'm in, I've explained this last week, the reception is not great. Mm-hmm. And Trevojevic scores next to the post. It's going to be 18 all, kick to come. I'm just like, oh, fair dinkum. How, how does Canberra throw this game away? Manly are useless. How, how do they lose this match? <laughs> anyway, the reception dies. Oh, no. Oh, I'm, just kind of, anyway, I'm, I'm moving around the house. I'm trying to get reception anyway. I'm standing um, on a chair with one leg. and, so a, and... In, in my mind, Walker's <laughs> nailed the conversion. It's 20 points to 18. There's like a minute left. The, yeah. the computer, well, the, the phone finally kicks back into gear and it says 18 all. Mm. I'm thinking, hang on a second. I'm thinking this, is, this, this, this isn't what happened because I'm not lying about this, everybody. 10 minutes earlier when uh, Croker had the chance to go to 20-18 from the sideline after Rapana's amazing try, which was just spectacular. Uh, the app actually said that he kicked the goal. They led twenty points to uh, twenty points to fourteen, mm. which clearly he didn't actually kick the goal. 
So I'm waiting for it to load. The Telstra thing's spinning and spinning. And then all of a sudden, it's like, we're going to extra time in Canberra. And I'm going, what? Mm. How has he missed that? Anyway, we finally get to the decision. Uh, what I found interesting about that whole thing was how referees decide to put the uh, whistle away in the last in that extra time period. We love that. <laughs> anyway, we get to the end. He kicks the goal. Goes nuts. Yeah. I saw something at the end of the match that I just absolutely loved. Yeah. Elliot Whitehead, who was no doubt probably giving it to him deluxe the entire game, yeah. is the first player over to Dylan Walker, and he just looks at him, gives him a huge smile, and just says, well played, mate. Yeah, you've got to do it. Yeah. Like, it wasn't it wasn't a, oh, get out of my face, you're a niff-nuff. It, it was a legitimate, yeah. this has been over. a battle for 85 minutes, mate. The game's finished. And you know what? Yep. Good luck to you. You kicked the goal, you won the game. Yeah. It was a, it was fan. I don't know if anyone else saw it, but to me, that just, I can live with the sledging on the field in whatever sport you're playing in, but you've got to go off the field afterwards. You've got to shake hands and you just got to say, if the other person's too good, too good. I agree. <clears throat> Absolutely. All right. Eels Panthers, quickly. Wrap quickly, up. Eels Panthers, mate. The, the poor old Panthers. Who do they play next week, was I? I will tell you in about. I can tell you, they play the Broncos in in Queensland next week. Um, what about the week after that? I don't, actually don't know. Have a quick look at their draw for the next, if you can, for the next... Uh, the Warriors in Penrith. Yep. Then they've got the Knights in Newcastle. Well, so they, they could possibly win those two. Yep. And they got, then they've got the bye. Well, I'll win that. Take on the Bulldogs. Yeah. So, look, eminently, they've got they've got they've got some wins ahead of them. Maybe, there. maybe. Look, I, I just think they've they played pretty good. In, in a short amount of time, especially in, in the second half. Um, Tim Brown makes a massive difference to that team. Uh, but, geez, Corey Norman played well, mate. Corey um, Norman. Um, yeah. Corey, Corey Norman played fantastically. By the way, did you know Corey Norman, uh, Seguiero and Isaac John have their own clothing label? What's it called? It's called You Know the Rules. And that's fair income. Y-K-T-R. Um, t-shirts, yeah. they're not paying me for this. This um... hey, they, they can, though. If you'd like to sponsor they want. the show, yeah, uh, boys, we can give away some, uh, what yeah. was it? You Know the Rules t-shirts. I'm you Know the it. Rules t-shirts, or maybe a, a you know, cart in a Canadian club or something. Look, I, I, th- I think um, I think Corey Norman definitely uh, is deserving all the accolades um, that, he, that he's been given. Gutherson looked really good at fullback. Um, mate, uh, uh, St. George, Parramatta were just too strong. Parramatta were just too strong for Penrith, who didn't look like they really wanted to get into the arm wrestle for uh, all of the match. Um, for bits and pieces, they did, especially when Tim Brown came out. He, he gave him a lot of starch. Um, but they probably missed Tamari Martin, and, and Cartwright had possibly one of the worst comebacks to NRL the, that I've seen in a while. Uh, a, few, a few shocking forward passes, a few other passes fired into the chests of uh, uh, hole runners. Um, yeah, he, he'll probably be spending a, a couple of, you know, maybe a few hours with Gus uh, learning how to pass again. Um, but in saying that, they are going to be a better team with him in the side. Oh, so. def- definitely. No, look, I'm, I'm having a joke. Cart- Cartwright didn't play that well, um, but he will. We know he will. Um, and uh, when he fires again, um, yeah, the other teams uh, probably would prefer him not be uh, in in the side. But, um, yeah, it, mate, it was, it was a little bit of a dour affair, I guess. Um, a good day, though, with... Uh, all of the all this weekend, by the way, so far in these rounds, have all had Anzac um, kind of uh, tributes, and they've been great. Always, you know, always get the hair on the back of the neck standing yep. up when they blow that bugle, mate. It's fantastic. I love it. It is fantastic, and just please everybody show respect in that in that minute. Absolutely, you've got um, to it is... just shut up. I mean, don't say a word. Just be quiet and think about you know what what you're commemorating. And I'm just going to add something quickly here. Uh, one of the things that, at least, I'm you know 
somewhat proud of to have left with the NRL is uh, one of the things that we had to sort of address when I took over the, the social there was how do we address Anzac Day? How do we address Anzac Round? How do we address what is essentially... Look, let's not beat around the bush for a second, but there is some marketing attached with, attached to this. Um, the NRL obviously wants people through the gates on, on, on event rounds like this and the rest of it. And one of the things that I was really strong about and um, I may have put some noses out of joint was I said, we, we cannot trivialise this round into a hashtag, into a um, you know a marketing campaign of, you know, feel the, 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 the bravery. The, it's not about that. You cannot link the football to what these amazing men and women did. What strikes me about it is we ended up going with a very, very simple message, which I hope maintains through who knows how long. And that was, let's just stick with very simply, lest we forget and let people realise that it's nothing to do with football, which is what we're commemorating when we stand there as the bugle plays, as the players line up. This is about what has come before us and we've got to respect that. And if the game ever goes into too much uh, marketing around all this, it's going to be a, it's going to leave a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths because it's not it's not what it's there for, Coxsmith. No, mate. Look, I agree with you. And and the the idea about commemorate, commemorating Anzac Day, um, and I've got a really strong attachment with Anzac Day because it's my birthday. And and uh, you know, forever growing up, you know, you watch the TV, and you, you know, and then I started to study it a little bit deeper. Obviously, when yep. I got to primary school age, and I knew found out what it was about. Um, but but the the idea of commemorating Anzac Day at a big event is so that you get people on mass to to even if they only think about it for a minute or two but you know you get 10 20 30,000 people maybe 40,000 people commemorating it at one moment uh, a game of rugby league should never ever be compared to the battlefield of war um, and I'm glad we're not doing that because uh, it's a very very different um, uh, arena obviously uh, you know we're, we're, we're commemorating people that gave their lives um, and and I'm glad that uh, well, at least none of the commentators that I've heard this weekend um, have compared sport to to the theatre of war. Um, should never be done. And I'm, but I'm glad with the job that the NRL are doing. I think they're doing a good job in in having the people on mass uh, remember, um, you know, all of the lives that have been given and, and changed um, f- for our freedom. Totally agree, Coxsmith. We'll wrap up the show in a sec. Not the footy show. Show. Okay, we're back with the final segment of Not The Footy Show, episode 165. Cocksmith, we do have some feedback. No reviews, unfortunately. What? Although I do understand you have um, acquired uh, I've got one something. of the pieces. I've got something. I don't have it or... No, I don't have it in... I don't have the object that we are giving away in my hands right now. I don't have it at hand. Um, it will turn up in the next week or so. Um, it's being sent to me by an anonymous person uh, who will be revealed, by the way, um, <laughs> and hopefully they will be on the podcast for a few minutes to explain all. Listen, we've, we've, we've definitely got something really cool to, to give to um, some of the listeners, but I, I shan't be handing, them, handing it out um, until we get 
a lot more reviews. I'm I'm going to hold yep. on to it. If if you're out there, you have not reviewed the show. Like hopefully it's positive. But if you haven't reviewed the show, mm. I'm going to tell you what has been part of, if not the the key part of this uh, prize, has been. Yeah, it's worth it, people. That's all I'm going to say. It's it's worth it. So please do your best. Head over to iTunes. Give us a ranking. Uh, thanks to a couple of people who have given us some love on, on Twitter of late. Do you have a question or more of a, of a statement from Andrew Wales who posted to the Not The Footy Show Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash NRL podcast. And he said, really enjoying the show, guys. And I'm a Sharks fan of Up Cronulla. Wish I had never heard that song in my entire life. He didn't write that. I did. He said, we were the nice guys for so long, but we couldn't wear anything. Now we're the tough grubs. And if you're going to beat us, you need to be tougher. Uh, and that's why we're the premiers. Um, do you reckon that's a fair assessment of what the Cronulla, I guess, have gone through in the last few years? Yeah, look, I, I heard a commentator um, the other day um, compare the Cronulla Sharks to the Melbourne Storm, and I think I think um, that there are no two clubs that play more alike in the NRL than the Melbourne Storm and the Cronulla Sharks, and, and obviously um, Flano has recognised um, how successful the Melbourne Storm have been and has brought a tinge of that into the um, into the ranks at, at Cronulla. I, I think they are grubby. Um, they're gritty. They're grubby. Um, they're tough. And, um, you know, they were beaten. And they're, and they're beatable, Clocksmith. Well, they're, they were beaten last night. They're, what are they? They've lost two now. Is that correct? I think it's three games. Okay. Look, they'll they'll slip up every now and then. Um, but what, what matters is where they ultimately finish in the competition, uh, which I'd suggest will be in the top four. Uh, and then, and then, the, and then the competition starts. As someone famously said, the competition doesn't really heat up until uh, you know the September. And um, as long as they're there, they are um, totally, totally able to win the competition. I did say at the start of the year that I don't think that um, anyone in the next ten years can go back to back. I, I'm hoping to be proved wrong because I really loved it last year when the Sharks won. Um, but at the same time, I've got some other favourites as well, as you know. Um, yep. Uh, the Mighty Dragons, who probably by the time people listen to this, probably have won another nah, game. No, this will hit out on uh, on Monday, so oh. you'll have plenty of time to uh, anticipate uh, okay. the Golden Crane run around again. Yeah. Well, look, I, I think the Dragons will win against the Roosters. What do you think? I reckon the Roosters will hand them an absolute drubbing. You're off your head. What about um, the Sharks? Uh, sorry, the Sharks. The Sharks. What about the Melbourne Sharks? What about the Storm v. the Warriors? Who's going to win that? Uh, storm storm comfortably. Yeah. Yeah, I say you're right about that, but you're definitely wrong about the other one. <laughs> Fair enough. Mm. All right, everybody. Quick one. Michael Hicks on Twitter. Uh, good to have you on board as well, mate. Uh, you can follow Rob on Twitter, Instagram. Where at? Uh, you can follow me at um, uh, R-O-B-B-C-O-X on Twitter and also the same on Instagram. Um, mate, I just wanted to do a little shout-out today. Um, I've got a good... Oh. Yeah, I know. I know. It's really weird, isn't it? I've got a good mate who's a great photographer. Um, his name's Greg Porteous, who works for the works for News Limited and the, the yep, Daily Telegraph in particular. Um, his handle on Instagram, and he gets some great pictures, by the way. His handle on Instagram is Skipper. S-K-I-P-P-E-R underscore Ost, A-U-S-T. Fantastic fella. He's been shooting for rugby league for longer than I have, which is he's the only one at the moment in um, in Australia. Uh, so he's got some fantastic pictures. Though. Great photographer, great bloke. G'day, Greg. And uh, yeah. yeah, everyone follow him because he's good. Champion fella, uh, Greg Porteous. Absolutely. Uh, do your best to uh, follow him. And look, there's plenty of uh, 
Decent photos running out there around the place at the moment. And Rob Cox, once again, capturing some of the best, mate. Well done. Thank you, mate. Thank you. Okay, we'll wrap up things here. It's been a pleasure having you again, chatting to you. We, we aimed for 40 minutes. We ended up with an hour and 10. There you go. I am dying because I know I have to edit the whole stupid thing. Thanks for following us uh, at NRL Tweet on Twitter, facebook.com slash NRL Podcast. And remember, get those iTunes reviews in. I've been Warren Nicholson. I'm Rob Cox. I'll catch you next week, was I? Finally, Jason Taylor on League Life a couple of weeks ago. Well, look, I think that the, the, the four players need, my opinion was they needed to repay the, uh, the respect that the club had given them to allow themselves to get to the point where they're uh, going to be earning top dollar in the game and, um, and they should be stepping up on the back of the opportunity that they've been given to, the, to develop themselves. Um, and I was disappointed this week to see some of those players say that they want to play in a club that's going to play in semi-final footy. I think that the West Tigers have said, you know, you guys are the ones we believe can take us to semi-final footy. Let's get your head down and your bum up. Let's work hard and, and you guys lead us into the semi-finals, you know. I believe that those four players sign their contracts and get on with playing well and, and the West Tigers are good enough to make the semi-finals, but that's not how it's going to come down. Was that the intention that they sort of made known to you when you were there, that they had intended to stay on and, and continue to be the big four? Was there ever any indication that they were maybe thinking of leaving? Well, there, was, there, weren't, there weren't indications of, of those guys thinking of leaving, but there's just, it was just procrastination, you know? It's just... It's, it dragged on too long, and um, and as I said, it was you know this is the second year of it. Last year, they decided to uh, you know the two halves in particular decided to take up an option which was one year, and that meant that we the club was going to have to go through the same uh, rigmarole again, and and here we are. So James Tedesco may leave now. We're hearing possible uh, that Aaron Woods may also leave. That Luke Brooks to be the only one of those four players staying would be unbelievable for West Tigers fans. Yeah, oh, that'd be enormously disappointing. And I, as I say, I think it'd be really disrespectful for those two players to leave the club. James Sedesco uh, James and Aaron Woods should sign on the dotted line and they should get on with leading this club. You know, that's, they're, they're, they've been given that opportunity. Ivan Cleary's a good coach. And they should, as I say, they should start working hard and, and leading that team to the semi-finals. Pepsi.